The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Minds or hearts about this. It's all pretty straightforward, easy to do. Sit down, sit down, close your eyes, and boom, you're like in bliss and happiness and don't have any questions. Uh-huh. Um, I seem to have, when I sit down, once I get through a few minutes of mental churn, pretty consistent feelings, and I think I described a little bit about this last week, um, just kind of like underlying anxiety, not huge, but there. Yeah. Um, and I also have a desire for it not to be there. Sure. sure. <laughs> and so I'm just, I'm wondering how to, how to hold those things. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the, that's, the, that's the good question. Because hold it means you're not doing what? Not necessarily trying to change it. Change it or fix it or go along with the desire. And then, you know, try to blast the anxiety out of existence or something. Mm-hmm. So, I, so just to hold it, just the fact that you have that desire or that wish, and to hold it, that's fantastic. And even to have that wish is the beginning of some different relationship to it, right? Mm-hmm. So, we're, so we're kind of looking for a different relationship, and that's partly what the mindfulness does. It shifts our relationship to these, to our desires, to our emotions, to our aversions, um, you know, and so... And part of the shift is we learn, as you just said, we hold it rather than go along with it. We hold it rather than get involved with it. So, so can you answer your own question now that, that you said it, you asked the question so well? Yeah, I'm just not really satisfied with the answer, though. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you say it? Say what you, what you, what, what, how you would answer it by yourself. That the both the anxiety and then also the kind of layer below it, which is the desire for it to be different, are things that I can hold mindfully. Uh-huh. And just just as a feeling would, a physical sensation would be, or, or the breath is just mm-hmm. to notice it and to be with it. Great. And do you have any sense of why that's, that answer is dissatisfying for you? Because you're still in the desire to get rid of it? Bit. Yeah, that's, yeah, totally. That, so you're not quite holding it. You're a little bit also <laughs> being it. I'm in it. Yeah. In it as, as well. <laughs> uh-huh. And um, so, um, so there's a few things you can do to support this. I mean, one is um, we have this technique called mental noting that's sometimes used in this practice. And that's a, a more emphatic way of knowing what's happening. So many times we just know it non-verbally and we're just present with something. But sometimes a fuller acknowledgement of something really makes a difference. Uh, in, some cult- in some cultures, uh, you wouldn't tell people your birth name because then they had some kind of power over you. And there is power in naming things. And sometimes just naming, we say sometimes, I want to name something that's happening here and some difficult, and you, someone n- names, everyone's angry. And everybody says, oh yeah, someone named it, finally. Now we understand why it's so difficult. So the naming of something can be quite useful sometimes. Uh, it also helps create a little bit of distance from it. Uh, so, because if you're still in that desire to change it, but you, you name it, oh, there's that desire to change it, desire. Then you're a little bit stepping back, and then it's a little easier to hold it. The next thing you can do is to um, 
of, of uh, you know, the rafting. So you recognize it, that's the naming. You allow it, which is the holding. And then you feel it physically. So both of those, the anxiety, where does that in your body? If you can find the location where it's centered, then it's easier to hold it like this. If it's just amorphous, it's kind of like, what am I doing here? And the desire as well, if the desire is strong, there's probably some tension or pressure or contraction somewhere, maybe in the mind or in the heart or something behind that desire. Stronger the desire is, more likely you'll find a physical corollary. And then again, okay, there, there's something, there it is physically. Now I can connect to it. Thank you. Take your time, Joe. The volume's in the top left side, on the very top. You got it? Great. Okay. So, um, so um, anyway, is that enough for this for now? Is that it is, a, yeah, a, thank a little you. bit more satisfying? Yes. Good. <laughs> but what I'd like to be, you, you know, please forgive me if I need to be forgiven, that I turned it back on you. Because that's what we do in this practice. We're supposed to learn to f- find our own way with it. And, uh, and you, you kind of did, and then I was able to just kind of offer you some tips on the edge. Um, stop streaming. Oh, stop streaming. Okay. Well, we'll just take your time. Just relax, and it'll, you'll, people, people will log on again who are online. Um, the rafting is similar to rain, which is yes. another very yes. similar, yeah. which I know about. Um, and I'm working on it sort of in another way with my therapist or whatever, but it's, it's hard for me. She's always trying to explain it to me and we're doing it in her office. And I'm always like, you know, and I seem to be able to get in touch with what it's about when I'm with her in her office Mm -hmm. and she's talking me through it a little, but at home or when I'm in like an upset situation, I have a harder time, like understanding all four steps. Yeah, and like, what does feel mean? Like physically, like, what does it, what does it mean to feel like my anxiety? I only know how to like. I mean, mm-hmm. I know it happens here, but it also happens. So, there's so much mm-hmm. churning in my yeah. head that. Yeah, so it's possible you're you're not ready to do the raft. You have an, uh, another step to do first, and that is if you just kind of opened up really wide to get the bird's eye view of what's happening to you. What do, what would you see then? What would you know? And it doesn't have to be exact. It could be a very general. There was times in my practice where the most general thing I can say, because I couldn't figure out what's going on, I would say chaos. But what would what would the bird's eye view provide you? What would you? Because otherwise, you, you you something's going on that you're going to therapy about. Yeah. So 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 what's the bird's eye view of that experience for you? I mean, I don't know how else to say it except for an anxiety feeling. Great, great. So so that's your way of connecting, knowing what it is. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's enough. How could recognizing it as anxiety be a significant step in itself? Um, Well, sort of noting it, like you were just Uh explaining. Uh 
what else? What else would be? Why, how would it be significant? Just stay there and just continue. Anxiety. That this is anxiety. Just kind of stay with it in that simple, general bird's eye view. How how could that be helpful for you? Um. Well, I hope it can be helpful in like not bringing back up to my head again, which is great. Great, because so, 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 so there's something about recognizing it that way yeah. that takes you out of your head. Yeah. Fantastic. And so where's the other place besides your head? Where the anxiety is? For, for you. Oh, just like in my stomach. Fantastic. <laughs> so then I would, I would recognize being in the stomach more and, and to kind of take refuge mm-hmm. there and enjoy, enjoy that little bit. So recognizing you have anxiety, you can do. And that recognition gets you out of your head and puts you somehow in your belly, which is right. nice. So, if it, so then, but the anxiety is still there, right? A little bit. Yeah. So, so then, if you continue that same process, just recognize that anxiety, and what what happens next? Well, when I've done it and it's worked, it's it's worked. It, um, I feel calmer. I mean, I don't feel as in my. I mean, I feel. Mm-hmm. Less in my head uh-huh. and more just with my body. Fantastic. So it's possible that the, the complicated thing of raft, this process, puts you in your head too much. Yeah, it does. I'm like, like what, where am I right now? And remembering it all that. <laughs> and so it's not, that's not what its, it's purpose is. Or it's easy to do. So maybe you're not ready to use it yet. You already have plenty going for you. The fact that you, you know how to just recognize it as anxiety gets you out of your head it puts you in your body a little bit, and you get calmer. Mm-hmm. And then, then, then just if there's still some remnants of anxiety, do that whole process over again. Mm-hmm. And you have your own process, which is quite mm-hmm. significant. And keep it simple, and, and uh, try not to make it a project. That's really helpful, because I do think I analyze it. Yeah. And then I'm thinking, yeah. Great. Thank you. Well, thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So welcome. Welcome back. <laughs> and. Um, and uh, so um, we'll start with the meditation. And the idea is today we're going to do a mindfulness of thinking. And I just want to say that for many people, thinking is one of the biggest obstacles to meditation because rather than thinking, rather than meditating, we're thinking. And, uh, and some people confuse thinking for mindfulness if you're thinking about what's happening. So this is not thinking about what's happening in the moment. It's a very different process of just being present and seeing without analysis or stories or thinking about it in some way. But thinking is the most common thing that takes people away from the present moment, which is where we want to be for mindfulness. Because of that, it's very easy to be frustrated and it's very easy to be critical about it, be upset. And some people come to the conclusion, I can't meditate because I'm drifting off so much. Um, I liked, I was trying the first day, if you remember how it was the first evening we met, I was trying to present this practice as a way you can, can't do it wrong. Uh, all you're asked to do is to recognize what is happening, not needing to have it be different. So like for you, just recognizing the anxiety is almost enough for you. You know, it's just quite powerful. Just, oh, this is what's happening. And, uh, and if what's happening is your mind is thinking a lot, that's the thing to recognize. It's that simple. Oh, this is a thinking mind. 
you could you could go a little bit further and and calculate how much the California electrical grid could be powered by your thinking, because of the, how much you think. But um, but the idea is keep it simple. So oh, thinking, thinking, and it might only last for a second or two that you came in the present moment to recognize your thinking, but uh, that is very different than just kind of barreling along uninterruptedly in the in the train of thoughts. And what we're doing is, if you use the analogy of trains for thinking, is, uh, you know, you come, you drive your car, you stop waiting at the train tracks for the train cars to go by, and the next thing you know, you're on the train cars. So, you know, you have to get off, you have to wait till the next stop, and you get off and go back to look for your car, and, and uh, but then there's another train, and you get on again, and some people stay on the car. Some people try to get off, but they just go to the next car. And so the idea is to, but every time you step off is actually quite significant. Consider, you know, however old you are, how many uninterrupted moments of thinking have you had so far in your lifetime? Two or three, four? (laughs) You've had a few probably. Probably that's mostly what you do with your thinking. Mostly your thinking just barrels ahead and goes on and on and on and on and on and on and changes subject and does different things. It's uninterrupted. So what's been going on for a whole lifetime is the habit of thinking. And that habit is well honed, well developed. It's become a habit almost. And, um, and what's remarkable, so it's a habit that's built over many, many years What's remarkable is how quickly that can begin to change um, compared to how long you've been doing it. But it's not, you're not going to get the, see the effects just once, twice, ten times, a hundred times that you step away from thinking. But stepping away is actually quite a powerful event for the mind. And, um, and it begins changing something in the mind radically that you're no longer always moving along in the same track. So even if all you can do for a moment is, oh, that's thinking, and you step away and gets a little bit quiet, and then you start again, appreciate you did it. You succeeded. That was great. And now you, look, now you wait for the next chance to do it. And then you do it again. And, um, and, uh, and then there's a way then that as, be, as become, we become more familiar with thinking, Thinking itself becomes an object of mindfulness. It's just as valid as something to be mindful of as um, the breathing, as the body, as emotions. It's actually very important to develop a mindfulness of thinking. And the mindfulness of thinking is kind of like having an overview of it or stepping back and, and turning around and looking at it from a distance so we can start understanding something about the nature of our thinking that's invisible to us if we're just living in our thoughts all the time. We're just kind of following along. And, and as you know, there are some people, philosophers, that I think, therefore I am. And some people, really, their whole identity is intimately tied to their thinking. They would feel like they didn't exist if they didn't think. And part of that reason is thinking is one way we tell stories about who we are, have conversations that puts us into our identity and who we think we should be. And, uh, and sometimes that's built up so strongly as who I am through those stories that if we don't have this, the thoughts that tell us the stories, then it's like we don't exist. 
it can be frightening for some people. But uh, you're not going to die just because your thinking mind goes quiet for a while. It's like having a hybrid car and you come to the stop and, oh, the engine went th- th- turned off. Isn't that nice? It'll, and you know it's going to turn as soon as you start your gas again, right? So it's, but it's so nice. Or the, or the hum in the refrigerator stopped. Oh, that was good. So it can, that can happen with the thinking mind in different ways. So the first thing is just to be aware that you're thinking and to appreciate just knowing, wow, my mind is out of the control with, th- with my thoughts. The, um, there's all these, uh, the, some people have all these stages of developing meditation. And the first stage that you know you've reached something, like succeeded, and uh, you're on the, on the tra- right track, is when you realize your mind is out of control. <laughs> You know, it, it's uh, much better to know your mind is out of control than to have a mind that's out of control and not know it. It's actually very significant, even though it's very easy to be frustrated and feel like I can't do it. But in fact, you are doing it. You've reached the first level. So congratulations. And um, so, um, and then I'm repeating myself now. Then as we learn to kind of settle down and just be able to hold the thinking mind when that's necessary, that um, we start seeing that the thoughts, thinking is not just a unitary thing. Thinking is made up of many compo- composite parts. So I like to make, I have a new English word, and that is thoughting. There's thinking and there's thoughting. Thoughting is just the mind produces a single thought. Oh, that's the hum of the heating, heating system. Just, that's a, like one thought. Thinking is when there's a chain of associations that happen, and they one triggers the next, triggers the next. So the hum of the heating system. Probably people think we should have a quieter heating system in meditation center. Probably people now are being critical and judging me for not getting the right heating system. Probably I'm failing as a meditation teacher because of the heating system. Probably I need to go and move to another town and try to find a you know, quieter place. People don't know me because... Of, and the mind spins, right? That's thinking. And, you know, hopefully you're not as bad as my mind. But it goes off and running, right? But a thought is just a thought that arises... But it isn't just simply that it's a thought with associated ideas that follow and all these things build on it. But it's also that um, I can have a thought, there's a sound of the heating system. Or I could have fear that you guys are going to judge me because of that sound. The fear then gives food to the further thoughts that I have. In addition, because um, this is such an important issue for my whole identity... I mean, my whole body is going to get tense, like, oh, this, you know. And that tension makes me feel uncomfortable. And that tension, then, that discomfort, is something I react against, and, and that becomes food for more thinking and more thinking. So a thought is just not an innocent little floating sentence in the mind or image in the mind. It also comes along with the stuff that feeds it, that energizes it and keeps it going. What's possible is to begin seeing the system, the thinking system, how it works, what feeds it, what we're, the physical side, the tension that's part of it, the emotional side that's part of it. And as we get, start getting a hang of seeing what's going on, we start finding that we can leave it alone. We can stop 
trying to fix it or get away from it or stop it. And instead of, and in that leaving it alone, there's space for uh, awareness to be there. There's space just to know it in a very easy way. Oh, thinking. Thinking with fear, thinking with tension. There's the tension. And so we start seeing these component parts of it and it becomes a whole different game, a whole different event than what we thought it was, which was just, you know, you know, some important thought, problem we had to figure out by thinking ourselves through it. Does that make some sense what I say? So we start, uh, so it's, it's important with this practice to always remember it's meant to be very simple. We'll start this in a very simple way. Uh, and then as I talk, like with Raft, it can get more complicated because there's so much, so many different parts of it. But it's not meant to make it a complicated analysis. It's meant to support uh, you by giving you the map of what, what is going on inside of you so you're better able to see it in a simple way. If you, can't, if you don't know what's in there, it'll come up from behind and grab you. It'll kind of you know, run the show. But if you start seeing how the, the whole thing operates, then you can step back and find some peace and calm with it. And so part of the, what might be complicated today is really meant to just give you the map so you can, you can find a way to be simple with all of it. So let's start very simply. So take a meditation posture. And I'm going to give you a very simple word to use that'll help you to stay, to be here with your experience right now. No matter what the experience is, you're allowed to be just as you want, just as you are. But it's one word I'll offer you is kind of like a little little support like to help you recognize what is here. Just allow it to be what's here. Just, oh, this is how it is. You say this word and then just notice how it actually is. And then after a while you can say the same word again as a, as a pointer, as a support, as a put you in the right place to notice, oh, this is what it's like now. And seeing that this is what it's like now can be done simply, easily, like you're holding the experience, you're making space for it, like that. So I'll I'll introduce the word to you uh, after we settle into the meditation. So, gently closing your eyes and taking some long, slow, deep breaths. And Relaxing on the exhale. Settling into your body as you exhale. And then let your breathing return to normal. And then spend some time scanning through your body. As you exhale, relax. Maybe the muscles of your face. The 
Soften your shoulders. Maybe softening the belly. And centering yourself on the breathing. Being simply present for a few minutes with the rhythm of breathing in and breathing out. Maybe noticing how the experience of breathing in is a different experience than breathing out. And then gently, in a soft way, maybe a kind way, say to yourself the word here, H-E-R-E, because you're here, recognize you're here. And then notice what your experience is here, in whatever way it shows itself to you. There's no right or wrong way to be here. Here, and notice how it is for you. And you can, in a nice relaxed rhythm, maybe every exhale or some rhythm, you can just say gently to yourself, here, and notice what is here for you. And when you've noticed it, allowed it, before the mind drifts too far away, say here again, again. doing this again and again.
if there's a lot of thinking here, and then notice what it's like to have a mind that's thinking a lot here. Allow yourself to be as you are, but don't go galloping off with how you are, with your thoughts or whatever's happening. Pause in the middle of it with the word here, and then recognize what here is for you at this moment. And if here is thinking, just know it as thinking. And then to bring this meditation to a close, notice first if there's some way you might be different now than you were when we started meditating. Has anything shifted for you? And then you can take a few 
long, slow breaths to feel reconnected and to your body in a fuller way and feel your body against the chair or the floor. And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So, and, and partly that was in, to trying to point out to you the simplicity of being present for one moment without agendas, without needing things to be any different, but just taking the moment here and recognize what's here. And then again. So it'd be interesting to hear from a few of you, how, how, how was that like for you? What, what, what happened to you? What was it like to do that? What shifted for you? If uh, we can have the mic here, is it up in the front? Um, so in just going back to the word here, I just initially, like, you know, I'm thinking about the word here and, like, um, and it's just showing up in block letters in my head, but eventually it just kind of shifts to where I'm just experiencing my body. Uh, there's no other way than just like feeling it. I'm feeling the way my legs are bent, and I'm think- like I go back to thinking where I'm like, oh, that kind of hurts a little bit. Maybe I need to take a better position. Um, but just being able to like feel it. Great. That's nice. And then, and how did, did anything shift for you besides your direction of mindfulness? Um, I mean, I, I feel more calm. My uh-huh. breath slowed down, but um, I don't know if that shifted. Yeah, but that that yeah. seems, is that nice? Yeah, it was good. What? It was good. It was good. Yeah. And, and so, okay, great. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that it did interrupt my train of thought. Um, and what was nice is I didn't, you know, yes, I went back to thinking, but it didn't go back to that same train. Uh-huh. It was like a different train. <laughs> but then at least that didn't, because often what happens in my mind is this, it does build, the longer I'm on this train of thought, it does build my anxiety because I'm then I'm trying to solve all the problems in my, you know, life, right? Yeah. You know, on this, at least for this train. But so it did help because it it did bring me back. Okay, no, you're you're here. Uh-huh. And then I would be calm for a little bit, and then my mind would start again. But oh, I think it's fantastic. I mean, to, to have that tool, to have that ability to yeah. do that, is it may be better than the alternative. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And it's a skill that you build and you develop it over time. And, and every time that you um, uh, kind of step away from those trains, you're no longer feeding it. And so the more often you start just doing that simple thing, the, uh, the fuel dissipates. And after a while, there's no more fuel to keep the thinking going. But generally, the way people live... We're like the crazy 
coal shoveler on the train. We're just like, you know, <laughs> you know, just constantly. We might be saying stop, but we're putting more and more <laughs> coal in the engine. And so the word here is helpful, and it does bring me back. And then there's a moment of sort of, you know, empty mind. And then I start wondering what I'm supposed to be paying attention to. Uh (laughs) Um, Oh, I'm supposed to be paying attention to the sensations in my body so that I'm looking for, like, the sensations, you know, oh... I've got an itch over here. Or uh-huh. so, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Here. Oh, yeah. I don't know. What am I supposed to be paying attention yeah. to? But so, so if, if you then it said the here a little bit faster, or quicker, then here, and then the next here would be, oh, here is trying to figure out what to do. So if you had done that, what do you think would have happened to you? Well, I'd be noticing what was going on in my brain. Great. And that and would be a good thing. <laughs> that, that's completely valid. And what it also means is that um, you're not going along with that thought. Sounds like you went along with it to try to figure it out, yeah. where it supposed to be, right? Yeah. And, and, but if you said, oh, what's here? And oh, it's just a mind trying to figure it out. That's all, okay. And then you're on to the next thing, here. <laughs> and then it's the sound of the heating system. <laughs> Does that make sense? Mm. So yeah. uh, I'm trying to convey how simple this can be that can cut through a lot, and, uh, or to say not cut through, but say maybe more nicely, um, help you step away so you're not in the fray. Step away so you're not being pushed, or pushed around by the thoughts and going along with them. And that was, a, for me, a great example of you, you were pushed around a little bit by that thought. And what I tried to point out was an alternative, was just to recognize you were doing it. Oh, I'm looking for what, where, where my attention should be. That's what's ha- In the present moment, the mind is looking for something. Oh. Okay, that's it. End of story. One more? For me, actually, it was very, very simple. It was like a medium around me, and I was dissolving in this air, in the room, and I was feeling so great. So it was easy, easier to do meditation this way. Right. Wonderful. So it was, was totally like a medium. Where I like music. This. Atmosphere. Fantastic. Very nice. So, yes, please, yeah. Yeah, hi. I'm actually still stuck on the first lecture, and I'm still trying to get into the body, the mindfulness of the body. Yes. And um, one of the things I've noticed is, um, is um, you know, when I come back into the breathing, um, sometimes I get a little too concentrated. I think I mentioned this before. When I get too concentrated in the breathing, then I have to detach myself into uh, becoming a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. Uh, and that's a tension that I seem to be having all the time. And then I've been trying to sort of relax it a bit. Um, and, you know, so that's what my dilemma has been a little bit. So do you... So, so, so if, I, if I understand you, you're saying that uh, you tend to want to stay focused on the breathing and the body, but if you do that, it gets a little bit too intense for you. Yeah, that's and, right. And you, and you feel a tension in your body. It's, you try to relax then. Yes, Great. I'm trying to relax it so that I don't get too... Great, Great. 
So at, to, uh, to a certain, up to a certain point, relaxing the body is really helpful for this process. Uh, the, the point where you stop, we stop doing it is when relaxing has become a project. Mm-hmm. Because it's not easy to do. So we're now we're really trying, we're struggling to try to relax better, tensing to relax better. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so at, before you get to that point, you want to just kind of relax, in a sense, to the practice and say, okay, what's happening here? Here is a mind that's intense with the breathing and the body that's getting tense. Just keep it that simple. And, and almost like you're trying to be very, very simple so you can see it well. It's like, I don't know, uh, uh, the last few years there's been cats somehow in my life. And, um, and if, you, if you're a stranger to a cat, you don't go right up to it and look it in the eye. Some cats, you really want to ignore it. If the first time you go into someone's house and just turn away and ignore it, and then it feels safe to come to you. But if you go over and make a project to make friends with a cat, you're in trouble. You know, you chase it around. Come, I'm a friend, you know. So the same thing with our inner life. If you make a project out of it, some things you can't, uh, it's not, they're not going to stay around long enough to see clearly and well. So for you, to just simply hear, or here I'm trying to be with the breath, here I'm getting tense, don't relax, at some point stop relaxing, and just be here with how it is. And then you might see that the, the, what's, what's shy inside of you might finally show itself. And I, I don't know you, so I'm just making something up, but I know people who've done something similar to you, and underneath of it all, there's some fear. Fear of doing it wrong, fear of not getting something, fear of being left behind, all kinds of things. Fear of doing it wrong. And so, oh, it's fear is the cat that's shy. Oh, that's what's driving this tension and this intensity is the fear. And now we do, so now we find the fear. Now we do, we, we're, we're here, okay, here, fear. Okay, this is what fear is like. I'm with fear now. And then what's interesting is it's probably another cat. If, but if you, you don't make it a project, you don't, don't, go up, don't go up to the fear to try to fix it. Just, just here. Kind of say here and kind of look at it side of your eyes because it might be even really shy. And then you find something else is under that. Yeah, just one other thing is that when I um, do get in the breathing... Could you, could you turn the volume? Sorry, I didn't. Okay, I'll hold yeah. it closer. So when I do get into the breathing, it becomes... Um, you know, the mind becomes quite focused. There's a, there's a point at which, you know, if it's not getting stressed, then it gets very focused, and that's when you can actually do the examination that you're talking about. Is it gets that, really focused, and then you can examine, you mean? Yeah, so for example, some of the lessons that you've been saying, that is, you know, wash, wash the body, watch the body, you know, yeah. feel the breath yeah. go into the body, like last lecture. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there's, a, there's a point at which that is very successful, that is, I can feel the breath flowing through the body. But to get to that, I have to struggle with all that tension about getting into the breath and yeah. all of that. Yeah, um, yeah so, so, so I, mean, you're, I mean, you're welcome to do it your way, because eventually it seems to work. No, it, it's kind of, it's iffy. It, sometimes it works yeah. and sometimes it doesn't. Well, well then, then maybe take the slow, tri- take the slow okay. route. Um, and uh, when, it does, when it's not working, take a good look at that. And something needs to, something needs to be settled in you. Mm-hmm. And once that gets settled, 
then you seem to have some nice capacity to get concentrated. That when th- when the when the cha- what's challenging settles, then your capacity for concentration can come in easier. Mm-hmm. And when we're really settled and we're no longer minds not bouncing around and wanting all kinds of things, mm-hmm. there's a natural steadiness and subtleness of the mind where the mind gets fairly concentrated, like on the breathing. Oh, just the breathing. Wow. It's a, and you, you, you're probably not going to believe what I say, but it can be one of the most exquisite experience of life to just be right there coasting, riding on the, on the breath, coming and going. And it isn't necessarily because the breath is such a great thing. What's the great thing is a mind that is in harmony, a mind that's unified, not fractured, fragmented, not scattered. The, everything comes together. The, the mind that's come together to be centered on one thing like the breathing can be exquisite. But you, you, you don't go there directly because that's the cat will run away. You have to kind of learn this process, slow process, patient process, here. This is what it's like. Here is fear. Here, this. So this is, this is a way to kind of try to convey to you to keep it really simple. And um, so um, now we're going to do more complicated or it's easy to think it's going to be complicated. It'll be like the, almost like the raft. And uh, we're going to do a meditation where I'm going to try to help you become more familiar with your own process of thinking. Uh, not everyone thinks the same way. Some people think more in images. Some people in words. Some people see words when they think. Some people... Um, uh, so there's all these different ways that people think and characteristics around the thinking. And so it, kind of to learn the map of what we can be present for in this simple way I'm talking about, it helps to have kind of had a survey. It's like someone says, you know, like, um, you know, just, just go down, down. If you've ever been to Redwood City, just go downtown. It's a small little place, not too many streets. Just relax. You'll have a good time. And you've never been there, and you find there's alleys and this way, and you, you get lost. Uh, so, some, so someone says, oh, it's really easy, but I'm going to go with you the first day and show, give, give you a tour, and then next time it's easy for you. So I'm going to give you a tour, and hopefully then you can build on that to be easy. For some of you, what we're going to do might be challenging, the, what, you, what you'll see and meet in yourself. So just know that that might be part of what's going to happen. If you feel like it's uh, you, you, it's too much for you, you can open your eyes and you know look at the ceiling or you know count how many people are in the room or something that uh, you know you know helps you settle again if that's the case. Okay, so um, so take uh, your meditation posture. And if you're comfortable with closing your eyes, close them. If you prefer to have them open, maybe half open, gazing down towards the floor. And as you exhale, 
relaxing the belly. Maybe like so the weight of your torso is settles down to your waist and lower. The weight of your body settles onto your sitting bones. Here. Feeling the contact with the chair and the floor as a kind of definitive statement of recognizing you're he- where you are, where here is. You're here, exactly this spot. Relaxing the shoulders, letting the weight of the shoulders settle towards the floor. Relaxing in the face as if the muscles on your face can fall away from the skull and be held gently by the skin. Maybe relaxing around the eyes, relaxing the thinking mind behind the eyes, maybe softening in the mind. And then for the next little while, you're allowed to think. And let yourself think. But as you think, know that you're thinking. Kind of like you're you're sitting at a table someplace and the person at the table next to you is talking to someone And you're just there listening, hearing their voice, the tone of their voice. So allow yourself to think, but just know that you're thinking. Hear a person thinking. And then notice, do you think more in words or more in images? 
or a combination of both. Or is your thinking more a form of emotion or processing? Almost as you think with your emotions. Or is thinking a somatic experience almost? Or maybe it's all of the above, but how, how would you characterize your thinking? And as you're aware of your thinking, You have some relative sense of the speed of your thinking. Are you thinking quickly, a lot of thoughts in a hurry? Are you thinking in a slow, relaxed, easy way? If there's an inner voice that thinks, is it a loud voice or a soft voice? If there are images being projected, are they in color or black and white? Are they fast or slow? Are they imposing or are they kind of at a distance? If you think in words, have inner voice, what's the tone of voice? that you use as you think. If you think in images, is there a mood that comes along like mood music or mood to the images? If there is a tone of voice or a mood, just know it here, this is what it's like. For these minutes, it's okay to be this way. Just know it here, like this.
And as you think, either in words or images, is there any emotion connected to them? Any mood, state of mind? If there is an emotion, is it feeding the thinking? Or is it a consequence of what you're thinking? When you're thinking, is there any tension anywhere in your body associated with that thinking? Tension in the mind, in the face, shoulders, belly. And if it is, that's okay. Just know it. Here is tension. What's the energy level of your thinking? Is it high energy, low energy? Is it agitated thinking or is it calm thinking? Whatever it is, it's okay. Just know it here. This is what it's like. Are there any gaps between your thoughts? Are there times when you're not thinking at the end of a sentence or an end of an image? And if there's a gap, what's it like that gap for you? Here, here without thoughts is like this.
as we continue, can you let go of your thinking? Can you let there be a pause where the thinking stops for a few moments? Letting go of your thoughts and dropping into your breathing. Letting go into your body breathing. And then we'll spend a few minutes just mindfulness of breathing. That's very simple, just here. Inhale is like this. Here, exhale is like this. And the final thing about breathing is that some forms of thinking, the final things about thinking, some forms of thinking are more on the surface mind, the mind that's helping us to survive and fight and flight. There's a different source for thinking that's not on the surface, but deep inside. The thinking that helps us to thrive. Thinking that connected to joy and love and care and generosity, kindness, wisdom. That's not about surviving, it's about deep sense of well-being. Can you, in these last few minutes of this sitting, relax into your body and see if your attention can drop down someplace deep within? Can you find a different place to think from, a different center for thinking or reference point for thinking?
where thinking feels more deep and calm and it's more likely to have your welfare in mind, your care. And you recognize that you have maybe different ways of thinking. Some more agitated, some more deep, calm. to end this sitting, to take a few long, slow, deep breaths. Again, feel connected to your body. Remember you're in this room with other people. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Probably not a lot of you have had a tour of your thinking. So I don't know how well that worked for you. But I'm curious to find out, what was was most interesting for you? Were you able to follow enough and find something that was eye-opening or new or something that might be helpful here? Any, Any of you? Um, initially there was a lot of resistance. A lot of what? A lot of resistance, Uh like I did not want to go to my mind. Um, And then eventually it just kind of happened gradually. And assigning the word here, there was like a different energy from when we did the first one. It was bumming me out. I did not like, I did not enjoy that. I did not enjoy... um, you know, sitting at that next table watching my mind do its thing. Oh, um, you were annoyed by your mind. I was bummed out by it. It oh. was just making me very overwhelmed. Is it, but it was, it was a different mind than you usually have, or just that it's the usual mind, but you got to see it better? Yes, I think that one. Oh. Um, and then it was kind of hard to go back into the body after. Yeah. Um, that's so it. I might have said this before, but uh, a, a very interesting exercise or way of approaching the mind, if, if, it's, if it's a bummer of a mind that you, you have, <laughs> at least for now, um, uh, Im- imagine yourself that you're supposed to be the friend to that mind and that you're sitting on a park bench and you're there to accept your friend who's having a hard time and you're just there to listen, that's all. 
And it's possible that bummer of a mind has never really been listened to. And maybe something different will happen if you listen. Not necessarily to the words and the meaning and what they're trying to say, but something deeper than that. Maybe listening to the emotion behind it, underneath it. Um, yeah, I don't like how my mind is either. <laughs> so you're not alone. I don't like how my mind is ah. either. Um, uh, I had trouble with the idea of thinking from not a surface place. <laughs> At the very end when I said that. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I don't know what that means, really. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, that's, that can... <laughs> it was little... I don't know what that feels like or what that is like. I don't. I don't know how to. I don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like someone opens. He shows you a map of Redwood City, and it shows you. Oh, look! There's a place I've never never been. Mm-hmm. Wow! Someday mm-hmm. maybe I'll go there. Mm-hmm. So I just. Is a, I give you the map. So there's there's other more to discover. Yeah. But uh, to not like your mind is sad, actually. Uh, it's not that I don't like it. I just don't like the images that pop up in my mind. Oh, so you don't like the content of the Yeah, mind. I don't like the content of uh-huh. my mind. So it's an unfor- Or what I'm drawn to, uh-huh. I so guess I so, should so, say. Okay, that's interesting. It's a little unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit, you know, that we have that relationship. But um, uh, this practice is to see that and to hold it kindly mm-hmm. and to be with it. And something, mind begins to change if we don't participate and just go along with the old habits. And, it, and if we, it changes because if we can hold it kindly in awareness here, oh, this is what it's like. Oh, this is what it's like not to like those thoughts. But let's, let, let's at least be present for it. And then something begins to shift on, you know, you don't, you don't have to be the one who changes things. The, remember, the cat comes if you don't try to make it come. Yeah, I had a very similar sort of experience. Um, probably my analogy would be more like peeling back an onion. So the surface thinking was these images of things, things I have to do, things that are going on, yada, yada, yada. And then as we progressed towards the end and you went deeper, there's certainly, I think, um, tapping in very similar to you with uh, less thinking, more emotion. Um, Sorry, what? More emotion. More emotion. So it was, it was recognizing, and um, I, I, I'm a very visual person, so it was images that were uh, evocative. Uh-huh. And I think with your guidance was helpful in just being able to sit with them, uh, certainly kind of feel them, but I think experience them in a different way. Fantastic. Um, and I think that that's probably part of what's drawn me to this is as a way, as a practice and as a way, a tool to go and visit some of those things that I um, want to sit with. And as you said, right. sit next to very my nice. arm around it and Good. Very nice. figure it out. So the, 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 the opportunity with this practice is to be able to see all of who we are eventually 
to hold, and hold all of it in this the, the, the gaze the gaze of mindfulness so all of it in the gaze of kindness um, and see and visit places we've never sometimes ever seen and some of them it's going to be difficult everyone's going to have difficulty that's we no no one's free of that have difficult minds in some sense or other but to be able to visit the difficult places but also visit the beautiful places and the good places and and to find a radical different relationship to it all and the radical relationship of of kind awareness just here this is how it is actually begins shifting the territory dramatically it's like if you have a, a ecosystem and you introduce one new species the whole ecosystem changes and so the ecosystem here changes radically f- with kindness or radical with just simple awareness because what it means is you're not going along with business as usual and it makes room for something else to happen so one of the you know so one of the one of the important parts of this uh, of this learning this non-reactive awareness that just allows things to be in, in the field of awareness is that uh, we can start being with what's difficult for us in a new way. We don't have to fix it, we don't have to run away from it, we don't have to feel shame about it. We can just, oh, we can just be, oh, this is how it is now. It's just now, just here for now, and then something shifts. I had kind of a... um I noticed a pattern in my mind that I've noticed before, but my reaction to it was different. This time I was quite excited to notice it, uh, which is this pattern of kind of always looking for what I'm missing or forgetting or doing wrong or what's going to happen that I don't want to happen. But it was kind of cool to see it and not just to have some distance from it. Not it was still happening. With, not to go along with it automatically. Right, but not go along with it. Right. Exactly. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So that was an interesting piece. And, and the deeper thinking to me made a huge difference because it allowed me to let go of that because it seemed to me that was very kind of surface level thinking. Uh, and so that shift to me, I, I don't know if I was truly thinking differently or I, I don't know, deeper. I'm not sure exactly, but it felt like I was able to let go of the scanning for problems. Great. Yeah, so I love, I love what you said, and what I hope is that um, now you don't take it as a given how you happen to be thinking. Some people don't think, well, thinking, that's thinking is just thinking, and I just have to go along with it. You know, it's, I have no choice. Mine's just thinking, and that's the way it is. But there's actually there are lots of choices, and there's different ways to think, different um, uh, places to think from, in a sense. And um, and there's a choice to watch it rather than be it, and that makes all the difference. So, so let me oh, one more. Yes, thank you. Um, the thing that I found most surprising was it's all verbal, it's all words, and um, when I had thoughts that weren't driven by emotions. Just kind of useless, meaning meaningless chatter that was just kind of went away, and then when it was fed, like you said, by emotions, it had a different quality to it. So it was, that was most surprising to see the difference between those two. Yeah. So yeah, good. So it's possible to notice sometimes that emotions are feeding the, the thinking, and sometimes the thoughts are so strong that they they're the ones that trigger the emotions. And I mean, it's, it's been said by psychologists that one of the leading causes of depression is rumination. 
because we're saying all these things over and over again. That, and if I say once to myself, Gil, you're a lousy guy. I mean, I can get away with that once. But, you know, but it's, I don't notice the effect. But if I start saying it, you know, 10 times an hour, 10 times a minute, Gil, you're really lousy. You're re-. I mean, it's going to start wearing me down. And it's bad news. And it's undermining. And I feel discouraged. And this must be true. And, and after a while, no wonder I get depressed. But that's the, you know, the constant thing being said. And so many people are stuck in these loops of the same stories, the same thoughts. And uh, it can be, so that's where the example, where the, the, the thinking impacts the emotions. And then there's sometimes a, a circle where, who knows, the chicken and egg, who knows where it started, but uh, it just kind of feeds itself and goes around and around. But there are other ways. And one way that we have in mindfulness, it kind of bre- it breaks the cycles by just noticing it. This here is a powerful thing. It's so simple that some people think it's ridiculous. But here, you break the cycles of a lifetime. And, uh, and it's, something new can happen. So now I want to review a little bit all this, because th- this emphasis on thinking here can seem like this is, your, this is the project now. You know, you're supposed to do this for yourself now when you meditate. In fact, you know, this is not supposed to be a big project. Uh, so the idea with this meditation is um, find something that's your home base, your home. And I recommend the breathing. The breathing is a wonderful place for many people, not for everyone, to develop the mindfulness, developing more clarity of seeing, develop a capacity to be with something, allowing it to be as it is. Some days the breathing feels good, sometimes not good, sometimes you're controlling it, sometimes you're not controlling it, sometimes it's shallow, sometimes it's deep. We're trying to be just here with this. Oh, here, this is what a controlled breathing feels like, as opposed to, oh no, I, I can't meditate now, I'm controlling it. Oh, that's not the point. The point is, oh here, this is what a controlled breathing is like. The, oh here, it's a shallow breathing. Well, it's a little bit embarrassing to have shallow breath in California. After all, we have Eslin here, and the humanistic psychology was born here, and it was all about deep, you know, deep, you know, cathartic breathing, and, and not having shallow breathing, so I'm a Californian fail- failure. <laughs> no, just it's just shallow breathing. And um, I want to tell a story now, take, if I may, a side one. This maybe kind of drives this kind of simplicity point home. So I, I, I lived at San Francisco Zen Center for many years, and uh, they had uh, people could come there as guests sometimes. And so someone called up back when there was telephones, and um, and uh, real telephones, and. Um, and uh, I, I'd like to talk to someone becoming a guest. And the woman said, well, uh, Robert, the guest manager, is not here. No, he'll call you back. Uh, Robert called the guy back, but he wasn't home. So he called later to, for Robert, but then Robert wasn't in. So he heard that Robert wasn't in. He said uh, to the person at the Zen Center, well, I guess uh, it wasn't meant for me to come. And the person in Zen Center said, no, it just means Robert's not here. <laughs> so shallow breathing, it just means shallow breathing. Doesn't, don't, don't make a whole California thing about it. 
or whatever. And um, so we start with the breathing. And but breathing also is for many people is a settling. It's a comp- we get composed. It's relaxing to stay with the breath. It's for some people it's a neutral place to be able to direct the. F- See the attention we have is food. Wherever we put our att- attention goes feeds with that thing. So if attention's always going into our thinking, that's what we feed. So we're feeding something that Buddhism calls is very wholesome and healthy, which is mindfulness of breathing, staying with the breath. It, it, it takes some of the food away from the thinking, some of the food away from the tensions we hold, and things begin to relax, hopefully, a little bit. But, so breathing is the default. But it's not just about the breathing. Uh, if something else becomes more compelling, like really grabs your attention, like, a, you know, we don't want to struggle between what wants our attention and the breathing. We just let go of the breathing. And we go and take, bring our attention to this other thing. Oh, he, my knee hurts. So here, within, with a painful knee. Here, not liking a painful knee. <laughs> here, trying to figure out what to do. Here, with this. And after a while, maybe it's no longer so compelling, and then we go back to the breathing. And, um, and then something else happens. Then maybe there's an emotion. And maybe I'm sad. And so then, oh, here, sad. This is what sad is like. And I feel the sad, maybe, and then I feel it in the body. And then it's, maybe it hasn't gone away, but it's no longer so compelling, and then we go back to breathing. And the breathing is kind of a stabilizing force. The rhythm of breathing, it's calming, it's stabilizing. And it can help us from getting too, too reactive or too caught up in the different things. So you probably don't want to stay too long with the pain or the sadness. Just uh, long enough to really feel like you've been there for it. And then go back to the breathing. Because if you spend too much time with any one thing that's difficult, or even something good, um, sometimes attitudes come in about it. Like we might not realize we're actually thinking about it rather than being mindful of it. We might be in it, reacting to it, uh, participating in it, fighting it or something, in a way that's not useful and don't even see it if we stay too long. So, so come back to the breathing. So the image uh, that I have for this is that of a spider in a spider's web. The spider supposedly sits in the middle of the spider web and waits for something to happen elsewhere in the web. And then when something happens, the spider goes up to visit and see what's going on. Maybe eat it. <laughs> so it's an unfortunate image, maybe. And then, and then the spider comes back to the center and waits for the next thing to happen. So we just sit at the breathing at the middle of our mandala, our web, and then when something happens, we go out. So, so thinking is just one more thing like that. So if thinking is really the predominant thing, you can't really sit and pay attention to breathing because thinking is so strong, then just in a relaxed way, now, now you can do mindfulness of thinking. And it can be very simple here. Thinking is happening. This is what thinking is like right now. But now you have a little bit of the map. So just saying here, this is thinking, might lead you to say, oh, here there's tense thinking. Here there's calm thinking. Oh, here there's frightened thinking. Here there's angry thinking. Or here there is, you know, tension in the body around thinking. So, you, so it isn't like you go investigating, it's like a project, but it's just like, oh, 
oh yeah, now I see there's more going on here. There's more to thinking than just the words or the images or the ideas, the stories. And then because of how easy it is to be seduced by thoughts, and people can telling themselves thoughts saying, oh, this is really great not to be thinking anymore. Not noticing that that was a thought. So you want to kind of be a little bit protected from that. So just come back to the breathing and be there for a while. So there's kind of hopefully a, a nice rhythm of being with the breath, being aware of something else, coming back to the breath. Sometimes you stay with the breath for a long time, you get concentrated. Sometimes you're not with the breath much because there's so much else going on. Um, but now you have, uh, what we've told, uh, taught so far, a kind of a range of the, uh, kind of the, the map of the things that you can be aware of, hopefully in a very simple way. It's not meant to be a project. It's not meant to be analysis. Uh, it's just meant to be recognizing what is. And then one day, you might have this wonderful discovery that for yourself, you discover the difference between thinking and thoughting. Oh, the mind just had a thought, and that's all it was, one thought. It just a simple thought arose, and it went, wow, look at that. It came, and it went, wow, where did it go? You don't have to go follow it. Don't go, don't go looking for it. Just, oh, that was a, that's what Gail talked about. That was a, that was a, I, I'm now a thoughter. <laughs> I was a thinker, but now I'm a thoughter. <laughs> and, um, and it's kind of fun because that, when it's just a thought, it's usually because the mind is pretty relaxed, pretty calm, pretty peaceful, and, and it's fairly clear that the thought is not a problem. You could have the worst thought anybody in the world has ever had, but as long as it just stays as a thought, it comes and it goes. It's not an issue. As we go along with this practice, um, thinking, uh, the nature of thinking changes in many ways. One of the ways is it gets thinner. Thinner and softer. And people talk about it like a veil that gets thinner and thinner and thinner. And that they almost, almost till it becomes like a cloud or a evaporating cloud. It's just, as opposed to the thoughts being so dense and full. Some people who do this, uh, start paying attention to all this works, can notice that when they're calm, the mind feels very kind of luminous or clear or open or wide. But if you, uh, if you get, have a really good, intense thought bout, like and locked into something, and you, and you say, and you start looking, what's the mind like now that I'm locked in? It can feel like it's gotten dark or contracted or tight or small in the mind. And that's fascinating. Just see the way the mind, how your mind feels to you and different kinds of thinking you have. All, these, all this knowledge and understanding of thinking that's more than just what you, the words you're thinking, the images you have, begins to break the hegemony of the thoughts. Breaks the kind of the way we're in its power or caught by it or believe it automatically. It breaks breaks the kind of into something that's easier to handle, easier to be with. If there's a really a lot of repeated thinking, uh, the, a simple process I recommend, notice your thinking, see what thoughts, what emotions are underneath it or driving it, and then feel those emotions in your body. And sometimes the, what's most important is the emotion. 
Sometimes thoughts are like the messenger. It's like a signpost that says, hey, over here, I need you over here. But it's pointing to something. It's not pointing to itself. It's pointing to the emotion. When there's a lot of intense thinking going on, it's usually because we have some emotional need. Something inside needs our attention. So, it's a, it's, so that's one of the ways to do this mindfulness of thinking is well, thinking, what's the emotion? And now can I feel that in the body? And now that I feel my body, can I just breathe with it in the body? And then the whole thing might become so much simpler to be with, just being there with it. So, um, I hope that the, the, the lesson of simplicity came through today because I did, there was a lot of new ideas maybe for some of you to hear. And um, so I suggest you try it at home, this kind of meditation. And this is something you can do with thinking, for example. You can just do this and, you know, if there's a, you know, if you're standing in line, rather than kind of looking at, wondering about what chocolate you should not buy, you might uh, just, oh, this, I'll just look at my thoughts and what's going on here, get to know it better. There might be a lot of little occasions where you can do a little bit of discovery. What's your thinking like, like we did today? And, and what's it like just to let it be, but let it be seen clearly? And what would it be like to be a friend for your thinking mind? Sit on the bench and just listen to it and, and attend to it and let it finally be heard. Sometimes the thinking mind just... No one's ever listens to it. So maybe you do. See what happens. But listen as a friend on the bench, not as being it. So thank you. And um, you know, Tom is the here if you want to ask questions of Tom. I'm here if you want to stay and ask more questions or have some something that came up that you want to sh- uh, talk about. And, um, and Nena is also up there in the back. So she's also wise about the meditation practice and so you have more support if you want to ask questions and so thank you and next week will be the last week for this five week series and I look forward to seeing you